Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm Caleb Zachran, assistant editor of the New Books Network. Today, I'm speaking to sports journalist and author Alex Squadron. We're discussing his new book, Life in the G, Minor League Basketball and the Relentless Pursuit of the NBA. In fall 2021, Alex followed the Birmingham Squadron for an entire season. In this book, Alex documents the struggles faced by athletes on the cusp of excellence, vying for spots in a league that could change their lives forever. This book is essential for all basketball fans who want to gain a better understanding of the game beyond the NBA and college basketball. At the heart of this book is also a series of profiles of four basketball players fighting for their careers. Not every NBA story is like the ones featured in The Last Dance or More Than a Game. Life in the G is real and relatable. Alex, thanks for joining me today in the New Books Network. For sure, man. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You know, this uh, this book was was well-written, and I think you know, you, you really shine a light on an aspect of the game, uh, you know, basketball, there's so much focus on the, uh, uh, on the stars and the money and the, you know, the glitz and the glam, but it's, it's good to also highlight, uh, you know, the, the, the countless other players that are, that are trying to make it into the league. Uh, and, you know, before jumping in and talking about the book, I was wondering if you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. That was definitely the goal was to, uh, you know, tell the stories that don't normally get told and cover the players that, um, yeah, are out of the spotlight. And I've always felt deserve more attention and more spotlight. So thank you for saying that. Uh, yeah, just a little background I'm from New York. I went to Washington, St. Louis. I've always been a huge sports fan and uh, obviously into writing as well. Um, I was briefly a sports reporter at the New York Post and then uh, spent uh, several years as an editor for Slam Magazine. Uh, and that's kind of how I got really into basketball. It always been kind of my goal to to focus solely on basketball and slam. You know, it was like the basketball bible. So uh, that was a perfect fit for me. And I spent uh, three years there, and then um, really wanted to pursue what was kind of my ultimate goal, which was to be an author, uh, and had this idea in the back of my mind to write about the G League. And um, I'm sure we'll get into all of this, but. I kind of felt like, you know, in order to do that, I had to kind of pour everything into it um, and sort of made this decision to um, leave Slam and um, embed myself uh, with the team in the G League. And um, like I said, fully pursue, you know, my ultimate dream, which was to be an author. And uh, I guess that's what brought me here. Yeah, wonderful. No, you definitely succeeded. Um, Thank you. you. As you said, you know, many people probably don't know what the G League is or if they know what the G League is, they might know it by a different name that it used to go by. So right. for those who don't know, what is the G League? 
Yeah, so the G League uh, is the official minor league of the NBA. Um, and most people probably know it as the D League, uh, which it was for a long time until they changed the name in 2017 to the G League. And that's actually, the G stands for Gatorade because that's a product of a, a partnership with uh, the sports drink company. So um, yeah, it, it's like fairly new by you know, sports league standards. I know minor league baseball has been around for over a century and, um, you know, minor league basketball, while there's been leagues that have been pipelines to the NBA, the G league or what was once the D league has been around for, um, you know, since 2000. So almost 25 years. So, uh, that was part of what drew me to it. I mean, it, it was growing every year and, um, now you're basically at, you know, this point where it's a true minor league, every team has an affiliate and, um, you know, there's movement back and forth and it's just, uh, it's run very similarly to, you know, a triple a baseball or the system that people are used to, uh, reading about and covering. So, um, the fact that it was growing every year and, uh, becoming more and more essential to NBA teams, um, you know, it just felt like the timing was right to, to finally tell the story of, you know, the NBA's minor league. So you cover the, the Birmingham squadron, the G league affiliate, uh, for the New Orleans, uh, New Orleans Pelicans. So just two quick questions. One is, did having the same name as the team help you get them to agree to the book? Uh, and what was it like when you first visited the city and the team? Question one, I, I would imagine so. I mean, I think, um, you know, I've been telling people because I think what made the book what it was was the level of access that I got. And people are surprised by that. Um, and, you know, I think that because it's the G League and, these players, these coaches, these executives don't get covered much. It really wasn't that hard to, to kind of get in the door. Uh, but it, it really was as simple as I sent them an email. I mean, I obviously had been working for Slam and, you know, had stuff to point to and connections within the Pelicans organization and uh, had been around enough where, yeah, I think that they understood that this was legit and I, I really wanted to do it. Um, but when you get an email that is from Alex Squadron, I'm sure you're more likely to open it than if it was from, you know, a random name. So I, I imagine that had, you know, helped a little bit. I certainly like pointed to it and made a joke about it uh, in the email. Um, but they were so open to having me cover them, to giving me kind of all the access that I requested um, because, you know, I was moving from New York to Birmingham and, uh, I wasn't prepared to do that unless I knew I was going to get um, the access that I felt like I needed to to write this book. So um, that's, I think, probably the name helped a little bit to answer your first question. And my initial impression was, um, you know, I think the city was great. It's not at all what I'm used to. Like I said, I'm from New York. Um, it was much quieter, uh, but in a way that was great for me because you know, moving down there, my intention was I'm only going to be here for six, seven months while I report. And I want to be, you know, no distractions. I want to go to every event that they'll let me cover. I want to travel with them. I want to just be fully embedded. Um, and, you know, I have friends and family in New York. Um, there's a little, no, you know, not a knock on Birmingham, but there's a little bit more to do in New York. And so um, the fact that I was just like, okay, you know, this is a very comfortable city, great food. Um and great people and the organization itself just was a great situation. And it was the perfect spot for me to just like put my head down and just focus on reporting and writing. So um, everything worked out perfectly in terms of the city, the team. Um, yeah. Everybody that I cross paths with during 
you know, that six, seven month stretch. So w- when you first got there, uh, in, in around the fall of, t- of 2021, uh, you know, what was the makeup of the team and the staff like when you first arrived, you know, uh, could you, could you walk us through a little bit what a G League team is like compared to maybe other teams and, and how, you know, someone even gets on a team on the G League team in the first place? Yeah. Uh, cause you're right. It is very different. And, um, there's several different, I guess, ways in which, uh, players get acquired in the G League. They don't say that they get signed because, uh, every player actually signs the same contract. So they sign with the G League and then teams acquire them from essentially like a player pool. Uh, and that's a process that enables players to get called up to any team because they're not signed to, you know, if they're with the squadron, they're the affiliate of the Pelicans, but they're not signed by the Pelicans so that if the Trailblazers want to call them up, you know, they're just kind of in this G League pool. Um, but there's a bunch of different ways. I mean, the G League has open tryouts, which I cover in the book, uh, pay $150 and you, you know, anybody can try out and, uh, you know, give it a shot. So that's one way there's a G league draft, which is obviously much less talked about or covered than the NBA draft, but a similar situation. There's two rounds and players just enter their names. Uh, and then, you know, it's not televised or anything, but, uh, run the same way. Um, and then, you know, there's a bunch of players now who are essentially coming from NBA teams. So there's, players who will get assigned throughout the season. There's also guys on two-way contracts, which means that they're signed to uh, signed to the NBA team, but the intention is that they're going to kind of split their time between the NBA and the G League. Um, and then there's guys who will uh, essentially sign what are called Exhibit 10 contracts, where they go to NBA training camp uh, with the expectation that they're going to be there for training camp uh, and then go down and play for the G League team. So uh, the roster is built very differently, but the result is like guys from kind of in, in all different positions, uh, coming from different situations. Um, and you know, the interesting part about the G league is they all share that, that same goal to, to get to the NBA. So, uh, hopefully the book, uh, shed some light on just like how these teams get put together. Cause it is very unique. Yeah. I should mention that, you, you know, you, you do cover these tryouts and you do cover the draft, uh, in, and, and you really tell them a, a story, you know, story, it's good storytelling, uh, of Thank just you. like what these experiences are like for these for these players and and the, the coaches involved uh in the book you, you focus on several athletes in particular i was wondering if you could introduce uh these four players and why you chose to feature them for sure yeah um i guess i should start by shouting out uh, kind of a mentor of mine who hired me at slam his name is ben osborne and he had written a book about minor league baseball and he was like the first person i called when i you know, decided this is what I wanted to do, or at least was interested in doing it. Uh, and, you know, a huge piece of advice he gave me was make sure you kind of like focus on a few characters, uh, which seems like it would be obvious, but uh, like, this is my first book. I think there was a good chance that I'd go down there and just like try to write about the entire experience. And, um, you know, I think that a, a big piece of the book is that you're able to get to know these characters and, relate to them and uh, hopefully by the end are, are rooting for them. So um, that was just like really valuable advice from Ben. Uh, so I went down there knowing that I, I wanted to focus on a few. Um, and then the process was like, I interviewed everybody because I didn't want to just choose them without getting to know them, hearing more about their backstories. Uh, so I went in kind of, you know, with guys in mind, but not wanting to just pinpoint it from day one. Uh, and then narrowed it down. I would say a month in, I settled on the four that the book covers, which are uh, Jared Harper, 
and he is uh his story is kind of the undersized uh incredibly skilled constantly overlooked because he's you know 510 511 um point guard and yeah uh, he actually fans might remember cuz he uh played for Auburn and led them to the final four um a handful of years ago so he uh, was one of the characters. Uh, Zylan Cheatham was another. He was like one of the other leaders of the team. Um, just this like incredible athlete, really talented player. Um, you know, if you watched him, you'd think this guy's certainly an, an NBA caliber talent. And uh, his story was interesting to me because he's kind of like every obstacle you can imagine this guy's encountered. Um, terrible luck, terrible timing, uh, just all these things kind of working against him. Uh, and you know, the season that I was there, just um, he's continuing to kind of push through and, and facing all that adversity and still determined to, to get to the NBA. Um, so that's Zylan. Uh, another one is Joe Young. Fans might remember him because he was actually in the NBA briefly uh, for three years with the Pacers. And his story is the guy who kind of was in the NBA, uh, had accomplished his dream, fallen out for a, a number of reasons that um, the book dives into. Uh, and this was his effort to, to get back and kind of rewrite his narrative and, um, you know, change the perception of him from his initial stint in the NBA. Uh, and the last one is Malcolm Hill. And he, um, you know, I think his story is in a lot of ways, the heart of the book, because he's this kind of obscure prospect, uh, who had been overseas. And, um, you know, I think the fact that he was, uh, still aiming to get to the NBA, still dreaming of the NBA to a lot of people would have seemed kind of like preposterous because he was really unknown. And, um, when the book opens, you know, he had been playing in Israel and not playing overseas, which is, uh, rare that a player would, you know, be not playing overseas and then try to, you know, think, be ambitious enough to think that they could get to the NBA. So Malcolm is kind of the obscure prospect, um, with this like incredibly diligent uh, approach and crazy work ethic who, um, we'll do anything to, to accomplish that far-fetched goal. So those are the, the four I settled on. So I think, uh, you know, one of the main tensions in the book that you constantly are, are discussing is that the, the G League is not the, the goal for players. The, the, the G right. League is, is a bridge to the NBA. Um, and, you know, as a result, it means that it's kind of like this place where players might not, you know, they might be very happy to be in the G League, but they might not necessarily want to be there uh, either. So, you know, what's the, the kind of the, the feeling that players have about being in the G league? Are, are they, are they happy to be there? You know, do they, or do they just try and put on a, a smile and act like, you know, oh yeah, this is what I want to be doing. Right. It's a great question. Um, cause the G league, and you'll hear this a lot. If you spend enough time around G league people, uh, it's described as the place that nobody wants to be. Um, which makes it sound really bad, which, which it's not. I mean, it, it is still, you know, you're playing professional basketball. The salaries are, you know, not even comparable to what guys are paying in the NBA. Yeah, but, what, what are the, um, the salaries? Uh, like, obviously, so, yeah. you know, Steph Curry makes like $50 million a year. So that's, <laughs> you know, there, there's some outliers, of course, in the NBA. But yeah, what are the salaries like compared to Yeah, I mean, even on a two-way contract, which is kind of the smallest, you know, NBA contract, that's, like I think it's this season up to half a million dollars and a standard G League contract this year, I believe is 42,000. Um, the year that I was there, it was 37,000. So this is like, it's not even in yeah, the same world of difference. Yeah. Um, and, and the book talks about how, even if you get called up for 10 days, you're making more money in that 
10 day stretch than you do for an entire G league season. Um, but all that being said, you know, these guys love to play basketball and the G league is, um, you know, it's kind of pure, it's the same thing. as like minor league baseball. It's just pure basketball guys who love to hoop because you're playing constantly. Um, you know, there's not the glitz and glamor like, like we talked about. So you have to really love the game, uh, to be there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that is real. You can feel that what you were saying at, at the beginning, like that sense that like everybody, you, you can't be in the G league and, and be satisfied. Nobody's there and like, Oh, I made it. Or like, you know, I'm, I'm content to be here. Um, every single person. And, and you definitely feel this, you see it from like the coaches to the players, to the executives, to the announcers, the referees, the managers, equipment managers, ball boys, all of them like want to get to the NBA or want something bigger. Um, and so that creates an environment that's uh, both like very cutthroat and very competitive and um, obviously very pressure filled. And also, uh, you know, I think we'll get into this, but like, there's a lot of camaraderie in that, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, weirdly enough, there's a lot of kind of rooting for, uh, one guy to make it or kind of everybody to make it because there is a little bit of that mentality. Like, you know, if X guy makes it, we all make it cause we're all trying to get there. So, um, I think it's a combination of like that, you know, you gotta be cutthroat. You have to be willing to go the extra mile and, um, you know, have that competitive edge, but you're also kind of pulling for, for your, you know, your teammates, your friends, uh, your peers across the league to, to get to where everybody wants to be. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50 percent off what is the atmosphere like when a player gets called up uh incredibly emotional you know i, I think i was fortunate to like see you know, hopefully not too many spoilers but see a couple people get called up um and it, it's you know it's what you imagine it's what you know you've seen in in documentaries or tv shows where these guys break down crying or um you know, I, I, a couple of the guys just in complete shock. I remember uh, one of the characters that I followed, just like seeing him shortly after. And it just looked like he like, like had no idea where he was. He was like almost just pale and like, couldn't believe it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's such a dream. It, it's a, it's a childhood dream that like, when that comes true, um, you know, all the emotions that you would imagine and, uh, then again, like the, you know, knowing that 
just making it for a lot of these guys is not enough. They're like so focused on what's next and how can I stick in the NBA and everything is moving at like lightning speed. I mean, these guys get called up and, you know, within hours they're, they're no longer in the G league, they're in the NBA, they're signing these contracts. And then it's like, you're, you know, you have this audition, this tryout for uh, however long that contract is set to last. So, um, you know, there's that moment of like complete and utter shock and, you know, bliss and excitement. And then there's like, like, I gotta, you know, I gotta focus. I gotta make sure I take advantage of this. So, uh, it's surreal to, to see it up close, especially as you're going through the season and you see all that goes into, to trying to get there. The season that you covered, you know, it wasn't the famous COVID NBA bubble season, but Mm -hmm. COVID still played a significant role. Yeah. uh, The 2021, 2022 season. So how, how did the uh, the ongoing pandemic affect players' opportunities to make the league? Yeah, so this was the season, if you can remember back, uh, of Omicron, which turned out to be, um, you know, obviously it wasn't the bubble, but it was for G League purposes, like a way crazier, more hectic time because the season kept going. Um, and there was a lot of kind of confusion around what should we do? Uh, NBA teams were completely decimated because Omicron was so contagious. You know, one guy would get it before long, like seven guys in the team would have it. Um, and so what that ends up, what ends up happening is, um, you know, into December, January, which is when Omicron was really uh, spreading very fast and kind of out of control. Um, all these NBA teams start looking to the G League because they just need relief right away. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, they, they're, thinking about the future or really um, necessarily invested in these players. They just like, we have a game tomorrow and, and we have five guys. So like we need to, to call up players. So that creates this like absolute, um, you know, perfect storm kind of for G League guys, as long as they're able to stay healthy, you know, they're never going to get uh, a shot like this to play in the NBA. So whether it was just an opportunity to cross that kind of goal and that dream off your list, or like a lot of guys got their foot in the door and like thrived and then earned contracts because, uh, you know, people got to actually see what they were capable of up close and, um, at the highest level. So, um, that was a, a surreal time to be covering it all because, um, there was so much excitement about all these opportunities open up, opening up, but also so much like anxiety, um, and like apprehension that like you might, get an opportunity or be on the doorstep of an opportunity and then get Omicron, uh, which happened to a lot of guys. And, you know, there's nothing you could do. You're in quarantine, you know, those opportunities come and go. So um, it, it added just another layer of like insane drama to, to me, like minor league sports in general are just like always dramatic. And um, you know, there's always pressure and stress, but this was like all of that times a million. So um, yeah, it's a big part of the book for sure. You know, as much as it's, you know, exciting and thrilling to see a player get sent up, players also, you know, they, they get to spend some time in the NBA and then they get sent down. So, you know, what's it like for players when they get sent down, um, you know, the yeah. emotions? You know, it wasn't quite what I expected, I would say. Not honestly so much of like what I saw and experienced was not what I expected. But because um, I, I think that, it used to be viewed, you know, guys coming down as like a demotion. You know, if you're an NBA player and you got sent to the D league, which, you know, that was the early days, it was kind of like, 
oh, like I'm being punished. You know, they, they, um, they're not invested in me. They don't care about me. They think I'm an afterthought. They just want me to go down to this, you know, distant kind of D league organization. And, um, you know, they want me away essentially. Um, now, and, you know, I, I experienced this, I know I've heard people say this, but I think people are skeptical about it. Players do really view it as like an opportunity. And I think because the G league has kind of risen in profile a little bit, um, you know, guys understand that it, it's kind of a part of the process and that like getting sent down is not necessarily like a, we don't care about you. It's like, we actually are, are invested in you. We actually want you to get better and we want to see you progress. And the best way for you to do that is to get reps. Um, and, you know, because there's the one-to-one affiliations now, meaning that like there's a G league team kind of matched to an NBA team, you still feel a part of the process. You still feel a part of the team, a part of the system. Um, so at least like when I was there, the guys who came down, which was Trey Murphy, Jackson Hayes, Jose Alvarado, um, Najee Marshall, a bunch of these guys were coming down with good attitudes, you know, kind of determined to help the G league team and also kind of get better uh, and show the NBA teams what they could do. Um, and by the end of that season, all four of those guys were playing like real roles for the Pelicans. So, uh, I was able to kind of see it work um, as long as guys kind of come down with that mentality uh, and sort of embrace this as like a, a part of the journey now. And, and I think the more the G league grows and um, you know, the more that perception starts to flip, like, you know, it's just like minor league baseball where in minor league baseball, all the stars play at, le- at least get a little bit of time in the minors to kind of work their way up. Um, and you're seeing that more and more with the G league where top picks, top prospects are coming in and they're, you know, at least getting a little bit of experience in the G League to prepare them for, you know, what the NBA is. So um, I think the, the perception has really changed and assignment guys now are kind of embracing that, that experience. So obviously, uh, you know, I don't want you to have to give away, uh, you know, what happens to the, to the people in your book, because I, you know, I do want to highlight that, that this, you know, your book really is built up a, a lot around stories of these, these individual players, but could you share a little bit about you know, what happens to G League players, you know, is it common for them to stay on the same team for several years? Or do they move around to different G League teams? Do they move overseas if they feel like they're not getting opportunities? You know, what does that look like for 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 players? Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate that. I, I've done a bunch of like interviews, and I never know, like, whether I'm supposed to spoil it, because you can obviously, it's just you can Google these guys and figure it out. I've been like, just erring on the side of caution. I'm like, maybe people just don't want to, you know, they want to listen to this and then read it. And hopefully uh, because these players are not as well known, like just not have any idea what's going to happen to them. So I've been trying to like resist too many spoilers. Um, But yeah, I think um, the kind of the, this is a big theme of the book because kind of the uh, big question for players on the fringe. So guys who don't get drafted or fall out of the NBA um, who are just kind of that next pool of, you know, let's say three, four, 500 players. Um, you know, the big question is whether or not you stick around and, and sign with the G league team or sign into the G league um, or go play overseas. Cause all of those guys have opportunities to play in Europe in Asia, um, you know, kind of all over the world. So and those contracts can be significantly bigger than what, um, you know, we talked about earlier, those 40,000 uh, contracts in the G League. Like you, you can get guys overseas making millions, uh, certainly six figures. Um, and so you basically, 
have this decision between, uh, you know, chasing your dream, chasing the NBA, because the G League gives you the best opportunity to make it or signing this lucrative contract and not necessarily kissing your NBA dream goodbye, but it's like way harder to make it once you've kind of fallen off the radar and, um, you know, gone overseas. So that is a, a major um, decision that these guys have to make. And it's a lot harder than I think people realize because um, you're making it, you have to basically make it and then remake it every single summer uh, if you haven't gotten to the NBA. Um, and so much goes into that, whether it's like, where you're, where are you playing? You know, how far is it? Can your family come with you? Um, you know, what's the situation going to be there? Are they, you know, certain overseas organizations have, they have problems of their own. And are you going to be happy living there? Is it a huge culture shock? Um, and then in the G league, like, what are your actual chances of making it? Are, are you spending a season here? And it's like completely like crazy to imagine that you can make it to the NBA or are you right there? And, you know, even if you sign two 10 day contracts, now the money is pretty much the same. Um, so these are decisions that these guys have to make every year. Um, and the book, uh, you know, tries to capture one, how hard that decision is to make, um, and just kind of outlines just all of the options that, that these guys, um, you know, who are on the fringes of the NBA uh, have and, and how hard it is to choose between them. Because it isn't just like deciding between whether or not you want to play in Birmingham or, you know, Utah. It's deciding whether or not right. you want to play in China or New Zealand right. or, or like, like literally no, everywhere. It's so crazy. And it's such a, like, you know, I, one of the players, Joe Young, he was making millions in China. And then he, he chose to come from China to the G League. So he turned down another million dollar contract to sign for 40,000 in the G League to try to get to the NBA. Um and, you know, that, that his major goal, the major reason he did it is because he thought he could get to the NBA and that was the easiest path. And that was his dream and his major goal. And, you know, he was dominating in China and felt like his talent was more, you know, matched the NBA, not the CBA in China. Um, but there's other factors. I mean, his family, he's, he's got kids. Um, his family lives in, in Houston and he was going to China every year and, and, you know, he doesn't you know, know many people out there, the culture is completely different. Um, and so I think that a lot of times overseas, the experience can be lonely. It can be, um, just not what you intended or what you imagined for your career, or your life. So those decisions are a lot harder than just like, here's a bigger contract, go sign there. Um, you know, especially when you have childhood dreams in the mix, like the, you know, logic kind of goes out the door when you're talking about people pursuing their dreams. So, um, yeah, that, that's a, a big theme of kind of life in the G league is, uh, those decisions and, um, you know, all the factors that come into play. I think, uh, it, based on what you've said, like, obviously there's, there's pros and cons to the G league, but do you have a sort of overall assessment about whether or not the G league is a good system, you know, keeping in mind that it's clearly been evolving quite a bit over the past few years? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think first of all, like there's no question that conditions, salaries, things like that can improve uh, and should improve. You know, if you can make that decision a little bit easier for a player to make, because by signing in the G League, they're not giving up so much uh, and not sacrificing so much. You know, that that would be a much more ideal system. Uh, but in terms of just like, does the system work? Like, are the players um, improving? Are they getting called up? Are they, um, you know, assignment guys? Are they then 
you know, having more success in the NBA after having experience in the G league, I think at this point, it's just like undeniable. Um, and I kind of knew that going in, but then you see it up close and you see how much development there is the investment from NBA teams. Um, you know, it, it's like I said, it's still young, but it's like certainly growing. And because there's so much more, uh, evidence of how much it works, the investment is, is becoming greater and greater. Uh, but yeah, there's so many guys, I mean, an Alex Caruso, Gary Payton, Seth Curry, um, Fred Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, um, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, like all these guys have experience in the G league and, you know, guys like Caruso played over a hundred games in the G league before he was able to make it to the NBA. And now he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. So, um, you know, all those guys who have been there and I interview a bunch of them for the book, they swear that like that experience, uh, is the reason they made it and just becoming kind of laser focused on what they have to do, uh, to stick in the NBA. So, uh, in terms of whether or not it's working, I mean, it's major goal is to prepare players for the NBA, whether they're assignment guys or call-ups. Um, so I think that now with all the guys that are uh, landing in the, the G league and then going on to the NBA, it's kind of undeniable. I think the number at the beginning of this season was like 50% of players on NBA rosters had experience in the G league. So like pretty much, you know, half of the guys had just touched the a G league court before. So that's, uh, that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, that's pretty, that's, uh, that's pretty remarkable. And, you know, like I, I remember when, when Caruso, got called up and there's always this phenomenon where someone gets called a player gets called up and they like play since it's such a sensational level because they are so are they so desperately want to stay in the nba and it's always it's always fun to watch these players it's very inspiring totally no that that was really what drew me to it initially i mean these stories of guys like andre ingram who wrote the forward uh jeremy lynn you know he plays a game in the g league and then becomes this like superstar i mean to me what you know i, I wanted to kind of outline what the G league is. And for like basketball junkies, kind of, this is a, a lesser known part of a professional basketball journey. Um, but to me, like the story is, is inspirational kind of chasing your dream story. Um, and, uh, it's like guys like Andre Ingram or, you know, all the stories that you were alluding to, where it's guys who just like, they get there and it's this incredible emotional experience. Like, um, you know, I think everybody on some level can kind of relate to just like persevering through obstacles and believing in this goal and doing everything within your power to chase it. Uh, and then what it's like when, when you kind of get to the mountaintop. So, um, yeah, that, like just seeing that, that stuff happen, that stuff play out was what drew me to it initially. So I, I'm wondering, you know, after your study of the G league and writing this book, how is your, how's your experience of watching basketball changed? Do you, do you want, look at the game differently now? Totally. Um, it's changed in a number of ways. I would say the, well, the first thing I'll say is that like, you know, when you're actually embedded with a team, you know, I, I played basketball growing up. I've been writing about basketball for a long time. I've always been a fan. I feel like I have a, or felt like I had a very good grasp of the game. And then you're standing in a locker room for like a film session and you're like, what is going on? You know, you're like, I actually know nothing. I mean, it's like a totally different language. So I think just like on the surface, like the appreciation for just like all that goes into it and, um, you know, kind of being humbled a little bit and understanding that like, and I might love basketball, no basketball, these guys really love and really know basketball on a level that I'll, um, you know, can only kind of hope to, to, uh, aspire towards really. Um, 
And two, I think there, uh, you know, a lot of the G League guys who make it to the NBA, Caruso, Gabe, uh, Gabe Vincent, Gary Payton, you know, Seth Curry, these are role players who, um, in a lot of cases, you know, like a PJ Tucker, Jose Alvarado, who do like the little things. Um, you know, guys that uh, I think typical NBA fans in like a lot of cases might dismiss or just not really uh, see the value in the things that they're doing. Um, and, you know, I was kind of, cause I was so close to, to the NBA and to basketball, I, I think I was better at spotting that stuff, but now it's like a totally different level. You know, I can watch a game and see a guy from the G league and, you know, he might not score or he, uh, he might be standing in the corner half the time and, you know, I think maybe the common perception of that is like, you know, what, what is this guy doing? Like, what's his value? He's just standing in the corner. And now there's kind of a like respect and understanding for like, well, he's standing in the corner because that creates space for the superstar to drive. And if he moves, that screws up everything. And as long as he's standing there and playing hard defense and, you know, hits his threes when they come, I can, you know, at least now I, I understand that that's what he's being told to do. You know, that's not necessarily what his skill level is or, um, but that's why he's on the floor and that's why he earned a contract in the NBA. So, uh, I watch it differently in that, like, there's a appreciation for all that goes into it and for what the role players and the guys who come from the G league are doing, uh, to stick in the NBA and to, to earn those kind of life-changing contracts. So, so, uh, you know, one last question about the NBA, do you have a pick for who's going to win the championship this year? <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, I'm a diehard Knicks fan, uh, and I'm loving how we're playing since you, got, since you got OG. But I can't like I, my like brothers listen to this, and I don't say the Knicks. Like they will never forgive me. So I'm going to say the Knicks. Maybe we make a couple more moves here before the deadline. Um, but um, loving how they're playing with OG. If I had to go with a different team, if I had to, uh, I would say probably Boston and that pains me to say, but like they're the team that scares me the most and they look the most kind of dangerous across the board. But um, I'm going within that. I'll double down on the next. I think we're, we're going to surprise some people and um, the new, yeah. the new squad looks great. Are you a Knicks fan too? Cause Brooklyn, right? I'm actually, I'm actually not a, a Knicks fan. I'm, I'm from Los Angeles. So I guess I'm a Lakers fan Okay, um, though. I'm more of a UCLA basketball fan and I kind of just, you know, that that's led me to be, to root for different teams at different times, depending on, you Got know, you. Where Russell, Russell, I'm a, I'm a sad Russell Westbrook fan. Oh man, dude, um, my family loves Russell Westbrook. We are, we are yeah. huge Russell Westbrook defenders yeah. <laughs> um, and the Clippers look good. So yeah, my, my, my cousin who's very, you know, who's my sort of a, you know, person I talk to talk about basketball with the most um, uh, is a, is a massive Clippers fan. So, you know, it's, okay. I'll, I'll get the, uh, you know, if the Clippers win, I'm happy for him. Um, you know, though I'm, you know, the Lakers. I don't know. It's hard to not be a Lakers fan if you're if you grew I mean, up in LA. LeBron, yeah. I mean, I'm pulling for Knicks, Knicks, Lakers. Then, man, if if Knicks Lakers happens, I'm coming back on the pod. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're doing absolutely. a full, we're doing a full Knicks Lakers pod. Yeah, all of that. We'll cut do a uh, recap of all the G League players that that are on those teams. Love it. Um, that sounds great. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being guest on, on the New Books Network. The book is Life in the G, Minor League Basketball and the Relentless Pursuit of the NBA uh, from Nebraska Press, one of our press partners. Uh, they, they do excellent books, especially excellent sports books. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much, for, Alex. Thank you so much for having me, man. Really appreciate it. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.